I love that song because that song so beautifully weaves together the story of the cosmos, that God created all things, including you and me. And we are meant to mirror to each other the nature, the character, the love, and the grace of God. The song also weaves together this fundamental truth that God loves you and God loves them. For those of us who follow after Jesus, who strive to live as disciples of Jesus, it also reminds us, for the lyrics go like this, if you gave your life to love them, so will I. You see, the song not only proclaims the beauty of who God is and the magnificent power of the gospel, it also reminds us that we are to be people called into action. For those of you that are new to Desert Springs or maybe you're still trying to figure out who Jesus is, I'm so glad that you're here today because I know that there are so many different ideas of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and there's a lot of frustrating uh, examples out there, but I want you to know this, that what we're talking about today centers on the fundamental truth that Jesus Christ is who he says he is that he rose from the grave conquering over Satan, sin, and death, that he did so so that every person could turn from a life of evil and brokenness and be redeemed. And he calls us as a church, a people that he's woven together. He calls us as a church to proclaim that good news through our actions, through our attitudes, through our words, our whole lives. You see, Jesus gave his life to love us and to love them. For those of us who follow Jesus, we say, so will I. The lyrics are beautiful. We could put them up here on the screen. I can see your heart eight billion different ways. Eight billion people, eight billion different ways. Every precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, what? So here's the way I sing that song. You gave your life to love them, so will I? Today, I want to encourage us as a church family, for those of you who call Desert Springs your church home, I wanna, wanna put this into activity and give you some opportunities to do that. In fact, uh, in the back of the seat in front of you is a Next Steps card. I'm gonna ask everyone to take out one of those cards. Even if you have no intention of using it, you wanna make it into a paper airplane, totally fine. I just don't want one of the losers sitting next to you to judge you, so... Um, yeah, you guys can see how this is going to go. Uh, so everyone grab one of those cards. Here's the deal. If what, uh, some of the stuff we talk about today, if it raises a question in your mind or, or you're like, man, I missed that or there was a detail there that I missed, uh, use that Next Steps card, write that down, fill out your contact info, write that down. And then at the end, uh, I'm actually going to have all of us do something uh, with those cards. But uh, if you've got questions about some of the stuff you hear today, that, that card's your best bet to be able to get that uh, to us. Uh, and then you can drop that in the uh, metal box near the doors on your way out. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. We are called to be the witnesses of this magnificent truth. In fact, in Acts uh, 1.8, we read this last week and we're gonna continue on in this series, God heart, God's heart for the world. We're focusing on how he calls us to be a people 
who also have a heart for the world. But it says this in Acts 1 uh, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. To the end of the earth, Phoenix, Arizona, that's us. (laughs) I didn't say the armpit, that's Buckeye. The edge (laughs) of the earth. Now, you you know, if you're from Buckeye, is there anyone from Buckeye? I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I meant Tucson. It's obvious. It's obvious that Tucson is the armpit, but, but here we are at the ends of the earth, and you'll notice that it says, you, Jesus is speaking to all of his disciples through the corridors of human history, you are to be my witnesses. The way I love singing it is in that song. I'll put it up again. The lyrics of the song, if you gave your life to love them, so will I. You will be my witnesses. So, I'd like to focus on three things today. Them, love, and gave. First, the them. Uh, Desert Springs, we're 42 years old. By the way, you guys look great for your age. You don't look a day over 36. We're 42 years old as a church family. We were planted in 1977 when a group of about 40 people gave up the comfort and stability of uh, congregating at Bethany Bible Church, and they pioneered a brand new work called Desert Springs. In fact, uh, we have archival uh, footage uh, from that time. This, This is the property we're currently on. And it uh, looks like a bunch of hipsters out for a barbecue, doesn't it? It's funny how that stuff works. I was going to say it's there. They're all look at their clothing, but I mean, many of us are. Anyways, uh, this is, you'll notice what's off in the distance. Wild beasts. <laughs> Pretty sure there were more bobcats here than people at that time. And in that season, God had given a vision to a small group of people to say, we need a witness. North Phoenix was really relatively unpopulated at the time, and yet he pulled those people together who served their community, who raised up leaders, who lived generously. In fact, uh, one of the, uh, uh, the things that's going on here in, the, in this picture is they are praying about and dreaming about what it might look like to build what we call the student center, because there ain't nothing on this property. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. I, I know this might make some of us a little bit uncomfortable, but, you know, tough. Um, I'm going to ask you to do something because I wasn't there. I wasn't even alive yet when this happened. I wasn't. I wasn't born until the 80s. You know what? Did you laugh, Nick? I'm going to get you a list of other churches I recommend for you. And they were praying for you. And I want to do something. I hope this, well, I don't hope it's okay. I'm just going to do it anyways. If Desert Springs has been instrumental in you meeting Jesus, maybe you were baptized here, I'm going to ask you to stand. If Jesus did the work, what are you clapping for them for? Amen? Hold on, you got to stay standing. If Jesus has used Desert Springs to bring healing into your life, whether it's recovery 
or a reconciled relationship or just healing internally from a broken relationship. If Desert Springs has been used by Jesus to bring healing in your life or recovery or reconciliation, would you stand? If Desert Springs has been a blessing to you, whether it be through celebrating uh, uh, marriage, maybe even in this room or in the student center, or maybe even uh, bringing peace in, in the celebration of life through funerals, would you stand? And if Desert Springs has helped you come to a deeper understanding of who he is and who you are, would you please stand? Now here's what, here's what I want you to think through. Do you know any of those people? For the majority of us, these people are anonymous to us but I want you to look around at the legacy of blessing that they built. And I want to ask you this question. 42 years from now, when they show a picture of us and they make fun of our clothing <laughs> and they don't remember any of our names, what type of a legacy of blessing will we leave for them? You guys can have a seat. Thank you. You gave your life to love them, so will I. At that time, there was nobody living up here. Do you know that right now, there's over 400,000 people that call North Phoenix home? Imagine what they might think about that truth today. I think it would surprise many of them, but you know who it doesn't surprise? Jesus. Jesus had this moment in mind for us, even if they couldn't see it. And I wonder what's going to happen in the next 42 years. Desert Springs has built a legacy of blessing. Jesus, through Desert Springs, has been blessing our community and many around the world. In fact, our area, our region, continues to grow. We're one of the faster growing, or we are the fastest growing, I think, county, and we're one of the, most, we're one of the fastest growing districts. In fact, you guys know about this fries up here on Bell and Tatum? You guys know about it? Yeah. Okay, on the other side of fries, just north of fries, they're putting in 750 new residencies. That uh, piece of property was sold for the most dollar per acre in the city of Phoenix's history. And if you continue to drive up, just go another mile and a half north and you'll get to Mayo Boulevard. If you drive up Mayo Boulevard, you'll see there's a ton of new development, new uh, condos, new apartments, new homes. If you go even further north to Deer, uh, 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 Deer Valley, you'll see that there are already hundreds of new homes. People continue to move into this area. Do you think Jesus knew that when he planted Desert Springs Bible Church in a, the middle of a desert wasteland? So, is he done with this yet? I don't think so. In fact, I'm giving my life to it. Because Jesus gave his life to love us. You gave your life to love them. So will I. Who's the them? Well, as we think about God's heart for our world, we think about God's heart for our city. Personally, I'm thinking about 400,000 people, many of whom are not yet a part of a Christ-proclaiming church. 
The second thing I want us to think about is um, how we put that into action. You gave your life to love them. What does it mean for us to love them? In fact, as a church family, we have been thinking and praying about this very day since last October. Many of you were with us then in October when we prayed. We had a season of prayer. We've, early this year, we had our 77 days of prayer uh, commemorating the fact that we were planted in 1977 and had a firm belief that Jesus is not done with us yet. And we asked, Lord, what do you want from us? What do you want us to do? How do you want us to move forward? And so today is the public launch of the answer to what we, what we believe is the answer to that question. We heard from many of you, we had over 200 of you uh, feedback and respond to us saying, hey, you know, as I was praying, I think God was sharing this with me. I, th- I think maybe we should think about this. And I got to be, uh, put my cards on the table here. This is like different than I thought it was going to be. Meaning, if you were to ask me this time last year, what are we going to be doing in 2019? What are the things we're going to be moving towards? Much of what we're about to enter into, I was not imagining. I firmly believe that the Spirit of God has done a work in our church family, revealing not from, you know, Moses going up on the mountaintop and coming back with the vision. But I believe that God has been working through his people collectively. And you can amen this. This whole thing has to work without me because it ain't about me, it's about Jesus. That's why my name's not on the billboard out front. Plus, it's hard for people to spell Caleb, so I didn't want to, you know, we don't want to confuse them. So what does it look like for us, church family, to love like Jesus loved, to love this city like Jesus has loved us? Uh, We're putting this all together uh, as a communicator. Uh, I really need a ton of help, amen? And so this is a helpful way for us to think about it. We're calling it Build 100. As we have been in this series of praying, uh, this, uh, this season of prayer, one of the things that kept coming up is building homes for families in need, building more multi-purpose space on our campus, and building leaders. And so we intend to build 100, to build or rebuild 100 homes for under-resourced families in our community. And we intend to build 100% more multi-use space that everyone, regardless of their physical ability, can have access to on our campus. And we intend to build 100 additional leaders with a specific emphasis on those who desire to go into vocational ministry. And so we're going to... Yeah, I didn't show you how much it's going to cost yet, so hold on. Yeah, hold your clapping for later. So uh, here's what we're going to do. Again, you've got those next step cards. If you've got questions, I'm going to blow through these, but if you've got questions, write those down. Get those to us. We want to be as responsive and as helpful as we can be. But as we think through uh, these next steps for us in Build 100, we're, we're going to tether these to our next steps, uh, a model that we have as a church. Because uh, what we want to show you is that all that we're about to talk about doing is just turning the volume up on the song we're already singing. This isn't a new direction. It's just throwing gasoline on the fire. It's just investing in the work God's already doing in our church family. In fact, one of the questions that many of you during those, that season of prayer, one of the questions that many of us asked is, God, where are you already at work that you want us to increase or turn the volume up? And I believe that you'll see that here. And so the first thing that we want to talk about is... Uh, 
serving compassionately. It's one of our key next steps as disciples of Jesus. And we intend to build or refurbish 100 homes for under-resourced families in our community. We've partnered with Habitat for Humanity to do this, and uh, they've identified, in fact, we can put it up on the screen, they surveyed uh, the, the shaded spots. You guys, is that blue or purple? Somebody help me out. Blue, okay, those blue spots right there. They surveyed uh, those areas from the outside, and just from exterior surveys, they identified 122 housing needs. Now, this number, 122, is going to go up as we are able to knock on doors, enter into homes, take a look at things, uh, and see what's up. There's also a lot of opportunity for new builds. Now, we are committed to building, 100, building or refurbishing 100 new homes for families in need. But it's not about hundreds of homes, is it? If you're a family who are living in unsafe conditions, it's not about hundreds of homes. What's it about? One home. A couple weeks ago, a group of our leaders were able to participate in a meeting with Habitat for Humanity. We were down at uh, Palomino Elementary. Whoop, whoop. Oh, come on. Palomino Elementary. Here's a picture of the meeting. We, uh, there's about 40 folks that gathered. Uh, what you're looking at is representatives from over 10 churches, uh, multiple nonprofits, and government agencies. City of Phoenix was there. In fact, uh, some of the leaders from PV High School were there, and they're jazzed about working with Habitat because of their emphasis on the trades. This gives an awesome crossover for them. I'm stoked about that. I think Jesus is really up to something real special here uh, with this project. But remember, I said it's not about hundreds of homes. What's it about? This young woman, my new friend Jessica, she told her story about how she and her husband uh, during the Great Recession had lost everything. And he had been blacklisted from his industry as was happening in the area that they were in. And so they packed everything that they had into a four-door sedan and they drove cross-country to Phoenix, Arizona so he could go to MMI. In the back seat, there are two kids a dog and a fish. I think the fish is no longer with us. <laughs> and off of I-17, they pulled into one of the no-tell motels that many of you might be familiar with as you drive past. And as she walked into the room with her two little kids and her husband and they dropped their baggage on the ground, she looked at the state of the room and began to weep. Is this what it's come to for us? They slept on the floor because they didn't want their kids on whatever was on that bed. And through a series of miraculous circumstances, they found a place to stay. She worked multiple jobs to try to make ends meet while he went to trade school. And then she was reading in a newspaper from her hometown about this organization called Habitat for Humanity. And she noticed that Habitat isn't about giving handouts, it's a hand up. You see, Habitat empowers families, under-resourced families, to afford and to build their own home or rebuild their own home. She said, if this can work for them, it can work for us. And five years ago, Jessica and her family moved into their very own home just blocks away from Palomino Elementary where this picture was taken. And one day, that home is going to crumble but let me tell you what won't. You see, at the end of her story, she pivoted. And she said, I've got two older kids now, and they're leaving the nest. 
And in this season, as they think through what's next for them, she talked about scholarships and grants that they've been pursuing and being awarded. She talked about their diligence and their hard work and the way that they were able to navigate some of the difficulties and and gain an education so they could go and make a difference in the world. And she said, I don't think the house gave them that determination and drive, but I do know that having a safe home environment allowed for them to flourish. It's not about hundreds of homes. What's it about? Consider the legacy of blessing that you and I might be a part of building by providing safe homes for our neighbors. Oh, this isn't a bunch of Desert Springs folks getting on their white trusty steeds and galloping into some strange place and saving a bunch of people. Whose neighbors are these? We have members of your church family live in the district that we're talking about. And so this is, this is our neighborhood, right? Whose neighborhood is this? And 42 years ago, God planted Desert Springs to build a legacy of blessing in their lives. Consider the legacy of blessing that you might leave in someone's life by providing a home. There's a second component to Build 100, and that's this, reaching out. You see it all the time on our graphic, reaching out. As we invite people in, we want to be the best hosts that we can possibly be. And so we intend to add 100% more multi-use space and ensure that our entire campus is handicap accessible. We currently have an amazing two-story building, uh, but it requires stairs to get uh, uh, up to use the rooms. And I just want you to know that our board and our staff uh, in unison, we've all agreed and are committed to making sure that providing uh, handicap accessible access uh, to our second story building is our first priority. We're going to do that before we do anything else. And here's why. How we choose to treat those among us that are oftentimes, if I can say this, oftentimes forgotten, speaks the gospel louder than any sermon ever will. We also want to increase our uh, uh, multi, uh, uh, multi-use space. Uh, Splash Camp this year, it's one of our big outreaches. We pack Splash Camp out every year. This year we actually stretched. Our amazing Adventure Kids team uh, helped us to stretch that number so we could have about 350 kids here. We brought a picture for you. Uh, we pack the house. Uh, the, the, the amazing thing was is, Within 20 minutes of public registration for Splash Camp, which is designed to reach out to those who have yet to know Jesus. You with me? It's a a ministry designed to introduce people in who've never been a part of a church before. Within 20 minutes, we were full. And the reason that we had to say no to hundreds of other families was because we were out of space. The same goes for uh, our student ministries, which is we have the best student ministry leaders in the universe. Earlier this summer, they threw their summer kickoff, which was amazing. We were packing it out. We had to do most of the stuff outside because we just don't have enough space for the hundreds of kids. Uh, we're about to be doing a, um, a, a, a back-to-school bash, which is there's going to be hundreds of kids here, and we just don't have a place for them. We can pack about 750 people in this room, and our next largest space for multi-use, uh, like around tables and stuff like that, seats about 130 to 150. If you really want to cram them in standing room only, you can get to about 180, but then uh, the, the church size decreases after that week, because um, everyone's just angry with each other, and, and you, get, you get it. 
And so um, we need to make our campus the right size. And here's the deal. This is absolutely, everybody look at my eyeballs. This is not a, if we build it, they will come. They're already knocking on the door and we have to say no. You guys ever seen those uh, architectural drawings, 3D renderings, super cool? You guys seen those? Yeah, I made one. We're in the early stages with our architects. We don't even know what this thing is exactly going to look like. We know that it'll probably fit right there. So you are here, kind of, right there. You kind of walked in this way. You guys got me, fam? Okay, and uh, is this yellow or green? Yellow, green. Ooh, this is like the dress thing that was like purple or white. Okay. Uh, ooh, you know, interesting. A little, a little uh, contention in the church today. Uh, so something will go right here. It'll basically tie in uh, this other side of this wall. This will also increase our accessibility to the classroom we have in the back that uh, many of you utilize, but we've got to walk all the way around the building. This will help solve some of that tension and problem and also make the most use out of the lobby space that we have and things like that. It may even actually give us some accessibility for uh, nursery space over here as well. Here's the jam. Why would we do this? Because we're currently saying no to people who want to come. And we don't want to be saying no. As we reach out, we want to say yes to all who participate and who come. Uh, By the way, oh man, this is so cool. Um, I met someone a few weeks ago. They said, I got to meet with you. And I've never met them before in my life. Sat down, they said, hey, we've been coming to Desert Springs just for a handful of weeks. And we actually have to move. There's some, there's some family dynamic stuff. There's some, there's some pain point in family back home. We got to go back home, take care of some folks. And we're just, you know, you can pray for us. We're not in a great financial position because we just got into this house. We got to move. But we heard about the need to provide handicap accessibility to that two-story building. So here's $2,000. We want to give it to you before we leave because that's so important. Yesterday, I had sent a quick note to someone who had helped us uh, think through some of the decisions we had to make. Uh, they, they had been a part of Desert Springs before, but they've since moved uh, away from Phoenix. And I was just dropping a note saying, hey, can you pray for me tomorrow? We're going to be talking about the Build 100 stuff. He sent me back a note and saying, I want to be the first one to donate. Here's $3,000. Because what you guys are talking about is important. You're never going to meet this person. And he probably won't meet most of you. You see, the legacy of blessing that Jesus wants to build is a legacy in which you and I are anonymous. So his name can be made great. When we talk about legacy of blessing, we're not talking about plaques and honorary funds and things in my honor. When we talk about a legacy of blessing, it's a legacy in which Jesus' name is made great. Third, and this is the most important of the three, Because, and you know this already, buildings crumble. You know that, right? Not this one, like not right now. So don't, some of you guys are like, yeah. No, we're pretty sure everything is going to be okay. We intend to train 100 additional leaders for vocational ministry. Discipling others is such a critical step for every disciple of Jesus. Because when we disciple and raise up others, we equip them to disciple and raise up others. You see 40 people gathered in a dirt lot about 42 years ago and they worked to impact hundreds of lives. If you were one of the people who stood up today, one of the reasons that you were able to stand is because those folks back then 
we're committed to raising up Jesus-centered leaders to minister to one another and to disciple others. This is so important. Uh, Three years ago, I took a selfie. Here we are. Yep, didn't even include my chin, my best particular feature. Yep, everybody knows that. My chin is my best feature. I'm at uh, my dinner table with a group of uh, some of our young leaders from three years ago. Um, And this is so cool. So uh, this is Michael Cartagena, and he's actually planting a church in Tempe right now. We were able to invest in him and help equip him. Uh, This is Courtney Sauter. She's currently at Notre Dame. She's way smarter than all of you. (laughs) And me too. But even as she got, she was equipped and discipled through our amazing student ministry. She had the opportunity to go on cross-cultural missions trips. She has a huge heart for Jesus and for the world. In fact, right now, like literally right now, she is working with government officials to help end poverty in some of the cities around the nation. And this is while she's going to school, right? Is Enrique here? Good. You can't tell him I did this, okay? Okay? You cannot tell him I did this. Okay, and you, don't you guys tell him either. You guys know about Enrique? Yeah, so Enrique is our student ministries director. We're gonna see if I'm gonna cry on this one. Three years ago, I was standing in our kitchen with another leader, and one of the things that we had been praying for, and I'm just gonna put my cards on the table, and however this sounds, put it on the next steps card. I had said, I am praying that God would raise up a Hispanic pastor from within our church family so that we can be the best ministers we can possibly be in this city. And Enrique was working on our facilities crew at the time, so he was super sweaty, also ripped, I mean, my goodness. And he comes walking through the kitchen, grabs a drink of water and leaves, and I turned to the other leader and I said, that's the pastor right there. And so far, I'm pretty sure Jesus feels the same way. You see, when we raise up leaders, we transform lives exponentially. In fact, just this summer, Enrique took this group of people to CIY, Christ in Youth. We can put it up there on the screen. The Christ in Youth Conference. We took a bunch of, in fact, we, church family, we funded many of them to be able to go to the CIY conference. And this is nuts. This is absolutely <laughs> So this big, tall, goofy guy here in the middle standing next to Nicholas, you know, polo shirt, big smile, that guy, that's, his name is Seth. Seth led me to Jesus through this church family. And Seth said to me, oh, they're going to CIY? That's interesting, because a little over 20 years ago, someone sent me to CIY, and that's where I met Jesus. And these young men and women were gathering outside to get on the van to go to CIY, And Seth and I, along with some of our other elders in training, were able to lay hands on and pray for these young adults. And we're committed to raising them up because we want to be a part of leaving a legacy of blessing for those who will come so many years from now. Jesus is at work, church family, and I don't believe that he's done with this yet. Let's talk about how we do this. The song goes like this. If you gave your life to love them, what? Yeah, most of you see where this is going. Because <laughs> you're like, I'm hearing a lot of vision, Campbell. I'm not hearing a lot about how we're going to pay for this. So what's this going to 
run us, right? Tons of time, tons of prayer, tons of people like you and me raising our hands saying, I'm ready to disciple someone. I'm ready to open my home. I'm ready to help any way I can. It's also going to take finances. Those 40 people standing out in the middle of the desert, many of them took money out of savings. Many of them sold stuff. Many of them uh, went without vacations for years so that they could build that first building for you. How will we build a legacy of blessing for those who come after us? Uh, the ticket, uh, the, line, uh, the, the number right now, our estimated cost, $2.3 million. Here's the deal. Uh, by the way, did you guys see that I said estimated? Here's why. We're doing this cash. This would be so easy to go roll down to the bank because we're debt-free and we're in some of the best financial health we've ever been in as a church family. It would be so easy to roll down to the bank and get a $2.3 million loan. But we ain't going to do that. We're going to do this cash. And here's why. Because at the end of the day, I don't want buildings and I don't want houses built. Those things will crumble. People go on forever. And I know that Jesus wants to use this moment for every single one of us who calls Desert Springs their church home to engage in hard kitchen table conversations where we spill our values out before him and say, Jesus... You gave your life to love them, so will I? I want you and me to pre be presented with a threshold that each one of us have an opportunity to, by the power of Christ living within us, cross. So that 42 years from now, we can be a part of building a legacy of blessing in which we're anonymous and Jesus' name is made great. So one of the key questions that we have, is that possible? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I would never say anything like this, but one of my pastoral mentors, Tom Schrader, would say, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is we have all the money needed need to, to fulfill the vision that Jesus has given to us. The bad news is it's still in your wallets. <laughs> I would never say something that offensive. Here's the next question. Oh, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You guys notice that we haven't put a deadline on this? I, we've run some financial analysis. We could fund this whole thing in 16 months. I want to leave you with this. If, we'll put it up here on the screen, as we think about our next steps, if each of us choose to live generously, follow Jesus into a life of generosity, then I firmly believe this. If Jesus has called us, then I know that he has equipped us. Jesus never calls us to do something he doesn't equip us to do. Second, we will then accomplish this vision as fast as we are faithful. Not some self-imposed deadline. If we want to go after this, if, if Jesus has called us to do it, then I know that he has equipped us to do it. Therefore, we will do this as fast as we are faithful. 
And I'm unashamed in calling everyone who follows after Jesus to radically pursue Jesus into a life of generosity. If you feel like Jesus is calling you to give to another great Christ-centered organization, awesome, do that. That's what I want for you. But what I do not want for our church family is to run the numbers and make our decisions based on timidity, fear, and a lack of faithfulness to Jesus. I won't do it. So here's what our lives are going to look like, church family, over these next coming uh, months. We believe that we have one mission, and therefore we are going to have one fund. We're not going to do pledge drives. We're not going to have a thermometer that goes up. Here's what we're going to do. We'll put it up like this. Every quarter, our board and staff have committed to maintaining during the duration of this project, we will maintain a $325,000 budget every quarter. Barring any sort of extenuating circumstances. You guys get that, right? Like, like if medical coverage or cost skyrockets, we're not going to like deny our amazing staff medical care. You guys hear what I'm saying? But as far as it relates to us, we are committed to maintaining a 325 quarterly goal. Therefore, everything that comes in above and beyond 325 every quarter will be invested into Build 100 projects. If one quarter we get a little bit, we'll put it in there. If one quarter we get nothing, we don't do anything that quarter. The next quarter we get a ton, we'll put it towards it. And we're going to be coming to you frequently saying, hey, here's what's on the table. Here we have this opportunity. Let's go do it. But it's going to fit in those three categories. Building 100 homes for families in need. Building 100% more multi-use space on our campus that's accessible to everybody. And building up 100 additional leaders. This means so much to me. I met Jesus in this church. I was discipled by leaders who I had nothing to do with their development through this church. I got baptized right there. The same baptismal I got to baptize my two older kids in just a few weeks ago. I got married right here. I've sat right there mourning the loss of friends who have gathered in this space before. Desert Springs has a profound legacy of blessing in my life. And I do not want to let the moment slip by that I can leave a legacy of blessing for those who come after me. But I don't want to do it so my name is made great. I want to do it just like my predecessors so that Jesus' name is made great. Do not get excited about a building. We're going to be bored with it the minute we open it. So I have this recurring vision. I have a vision of a young person who's able to do their homework without fear because they were provided a safe home by this church family. And because of the relationships that were built through that home building project, they were invited to join us. In meeting in the second story of our Adventure Kids building, they give their life to Jesus. And as they grow, they attend our amazing student ministry, which is now over 300 students from PV and North Canyon meeting in the new multi-purpose space. And one of our amazing student ministry leaders taps him on the shoulder and says, have you ever thought about volunteering? Maybe even serving the Lord using your gifting? And this young person says, yes. And because we've allowed for the resources to be able to develop them, when they go home to their single mom and say, instead of working on Wednesdays and Sunday mornings, I'm, I'm going to be volunteering at the church. 
because we've been able to provide the financial resources for things like paid internships and residencies, they're able to say yes. And that young person is discipled and trained, developed as a leader, perhaps even receiving seminary-level education, primarily funded by their church family. And then one day, they walk on this stage, and I hand them the baton, and then I ghost out of here because my name needs to be erased so Jesus' name could be made great. I'm praying that it's through this process that we raise up my replacement. What kind of a legacy of blessing do you want to build for those who come after us? That card, that next steps card that I encouraged you all to grab, if you're ready to go all in, all you need is some pragmatic next steps. Caleb, put me in the game, I'm ready to go. What I'm gonna ask you to do is on the bottom, fill out your name and your contact info and then on the bottom, simply put, build. If you're ready to build, let us know and then drop it in the metal boxes on the back. If you have some outstanding questions, maybe you're not sure, maybe you, you're not sure what you heard, you're not sure how you might fit in, you've got some questions, write the questions on there. Or you can simply say, send me more info on build and we'll do that. For those of you who call Desert Springs your church home, I do not want you to let this moment go by without saying yes to Jesus and whatever he has for you. You gave your life to love them. So will I. Let's pray. Jesus, we give you thanks for the many ways you provide for us and bless us. Lord, we know that you love us so much and you love this city and you love those around the world that you're calling us to serve and so, Jesus, it's in this moment that we pray that you would give each of us the power and the wisdom to be able to say yes to you, to say yes to leaving a legacy of blessing for those who will come years, decades, seasons after us. Jesus, we want to be faithful to you. We believe that you have called us to this. We believe you have equipped us to do it. And so, Jesus, we want to be a people who are faithful to it. You have given your life to love them. So will we. Amen.